What's your plan for tomorrow? Are you a leader or will you follow? You're listening to the ASI Podcast, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, Episode 42, Sexual Rebellion. That's the title. Um, sexual harassment in the news? No, let's not minimize it. Let's call it what it is, man. It is a uprising. It is a rebellion. Who you gonna trust when the judge is so unjust and the jury must discuss? Say you don't look like one of us. Gonna turn now the court has been adjourned and the lessons that you've learned are not as many as the bridges burn We don't band called the interrupters from los angeles california speaking of interrupters right with the current climate culturally and all this sexual tension out there in the news you know i had to say something about it right when's russ gonna say something well here you go i've got something to say today Uh, women uh, in the culture rising up And listen, I don't want to come off as the guy sitting on my moral throne of superiority over here, all right? Like, you know why I host the show, right? So part of this approach is going to be from a guy who, for a large part of my life, has treated women uh, as a consumable product, you know? And that's part of what I believe is this kind of cultural stain um the way it's western culture is it's the way we view women it's it's worldwide the the devaluing of women uh, not to mention pornography i know that women do get into the pornography business because of empowerment and stuff like that but then there's the addictive part of it like us men getting hooked so to speak right the, the prostitution the word hooker has been around for a long time and there's something to that when it comes to sex men tend to get hooked into this this behavior that becomes uh, uh, compulsive sexually uh, not being able to stop by the power of our own will that's that's what i'm talking about and i think a big part of what's being exposed here today is that sexuality has been packaged in in like a consumer like a package like coca-cola or something it sex has become as shallow as like a coke ad and pornography has a big part of that and the addictiveness to use that i don't know if that's a word but for a lot of guys we just don't learn any kind of self-control when it comes to our impulses towards consuming products right so why what do we think sex is any different that's why pornography is being treated like a an epidemic and my theory is instead of treating it more like a disease 
because uh, that's that's relationless, right? There's not a whole lot of relationship in, you know, the, uh, this whole addiction talk. Um, again, neuroscientists that said, I, I love that. What if we threw out the word addiction, use connection? So what's going on here is relationships and how we're approaching them. And I believe this conversation is now exploding and it's brought on by women who are saying, hey, we're not a consumable product. We're people. We have feelings and hearts. And yeah, obviously, Russ, but is it? Is it, is it obvious? Because, we, again, that, what, that, what's going on out there? What's going on out there? And for years, there's just seems to have been this attitude of, well, boys will be boys, you know. In other words, boys are just going to treat girls like a, a car or a bottle of Coca-Cola every so often. Just going to need to take a sip or maybe a grope or maybe a grab. It's just boys will be boys. Well, bullshit, you know, and that's what's going on. And I'm not here to guilt you, man. Like, I am no freaking angel, all right? Guilt-inducing is not my place in this conversation. Um, Guilt-feeling has been big part of my place in this conversation. Again, guilt says, I did something bad, I feel bad. Um, Shame says, I did something bad, I I am bad. All right. I, I've had to work through those things. And I pray that becomes a big part of this conversation culturally as we move forward. So listen, it's not my intent to make you feel like a dirty little boy or make you feel shameful about yourself or think that way about men or your boys, uh, dads. If I could get you to think, to stop, maybe, to pause. Um, that's my goal here. And that's a big part of what's been on my heart and mind these last few weeks. This tension, this space between thoughts and actions, between what we dwell on, what we value, how we value, and and what we do, and how we treat others. But uh, before I get into all that, uh, I wanted to kick off the show. I'm, I'm just launching into it. Like, I'm, ah, I'm excited about this topic. Uh, but I wanted to thank a listener, Matt, for being a co-sponsor, a co-producer. Did I use the word sponsor? I think I did. Going back to some of my old recovery days <laughs> there with that comment. Little uh, Freudian slip, maybe. Um no, but seriously, um, a cat named Matt, I know that rhymes, a little Dr. Seuss. Hey, it's Christmas time as I'm recording this. Um, but I'm serious, like co-producers help keep this thing alive. This show, it only exists because of people who give to it. It is a, it is a listener-supported deal. So thanks for uh, people that, that do take the time to uh, keep this thing free. Uh, out there on the interwebs and thanking Matt for uh, being a co-producer once again. Uh, ASI, how do you do it? Would you want to be a co-producer? That'd be great, man. Um, Lady, gal, uh, we've had female co-producers as well. I'm not a non-profit, okay? So you can't deduct this off your taxes. I think that a big... 
a lot of nonprofits are just, it's just BS, all right? They are for profit. It's just a tax sheltery thing, all right? <laughs> Sorry if that sounds judgy, but that's why I don't, I don't do, I don't do nonprofit, all right? This, it's not that I'm making a ton of money either. And time right now is my most valuable commodity, and I volunteer way more than 90% of my time, 95, 97% of my time. Uh, putting these podcasts up. Uh, people donate to keep this thing uh, online. If it wasn't for dona- donations and if it wasn't for you thinking about giving that year-end thing, right, that maybe I won't, maybe I'll, I'll sacrifice a little bit of that uh, tax shelter stuff and, and, I'll, and I'll give to this because it does something good in the world, hopefully. So, uh, again, if you're thinking about that year-end thing, and integrity. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm probably digging myself a hole. But seriously, um, I-, I could use the help, man, keeping this thing going. And obviously, with the news today, shows on sexual ethics, I, I think, are a good investment culturally. So, just throwing that out there. Uh, ASI247.org, you just click on the Give button, the Donate button. Um, and, and you can give to the ASI podcast there. Uh, also, I've talked about generosity as a thing, right? <laughs> it's, it's sort of a discipline. Um, and it, so this may be puzzling. If you go to the ASI Give page, there's actually other places to give. And let me tell you why. Because I'm not this, you know, oh, is this this Christian, you know, shyster guy after my money? First of all, I'm not big on religion, all right? Just to let you know that. I, I do identify as a as a Christian, I, 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 but that word has so much baggage. Like I don't even, uh, I don't even feel comfortable saying that anymore just because so many quote Christians have drug it through the mud. Uh, It's like that quote by Gandhi, right? I I like your Christ. It's your, your Christians. I don't like so much. Uh, I agree. So, uh, I, I consider myself kind of a, a Christian mystic, spiritual anarchist, all right? Little punk rock spiritually. Because that's how I think Jesus was, right? Is. Um, Jesus uh, took on the religious elite, took on the establishment, uh, and they tacked him on a cross, all right? But to prove that he was the authority he said he was, he came back three days later. I I really like that story. So that's where I come from. Um, And and I'm not the morality police, all right? So I'm going to approach it from that that line of thinking as well. I'm not Mr. going to swag the finger of shame in your face. That's not my idea. I'm a father of a daughter. So... I do have a little more um, understanding. Uh, I, I have a value now. Things have shifted. But still, just because I had a daughter, did that change my, you know, did I automatically all of a sudden not look at pornography or or objectify, consumerize uh, females, women? No, Um But that's what I see as really encouraging and really good about the current climate um, culturally when it comes to this this topic of sexual harassment that's out there. 
And the facts are, for women and girls, this has been an issue for a long time. The creative female comedians at Saturday Night Live put together this song, which I found really good. I can't play the whole song. I'll play you some highlights, though. Check this out. It's called Welcome to Hell. Hey there, boys. <laughs> we know the last couple months have been frickin' insane. All these big, cool, powerful guys are turning out to be, what's the word? Habitual predators? Cats out of the bag. Women get harassed all the time. And it's like, dang, is this the world now? But here's a little secret that every girl knows. Oh, this been the damn world. It's freaky, it's nasty, it's button under the desk mat, but this is our hometown. We'll show you around. Welcome to hell. Now we're all in here. Look around, isn't it nice? It's a full nightmare. Ain't it so cuckoo? Playing this guess who? Yeah, it's a lot, but it's what we got. Welcome to hell. Oh, and this ain't a girl group. We just travel in a pack for safety. I guess it begs the question, whoa, why didn't you say something, baby girl? Well, dang, Double Daddy. We definitely did. For hundreds of years. Oh, man. Hey, uh, just wanted to say, I think what you guys are doing is really cool. I get it. Uh, but you do know that it's like a million times worse for a woman of color. Right? Oh, oh my God. God. Yes. 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 Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Well, let's get back into this. Now, House of Cards is ruined, and that really sucks. Well, here's a list of stuff that's ruined for us. Parking and walking and Uber and ponytails, bathrobes and nighttime and drinking and hotels and Situation's been a do since we got booze. I got two booze. That's why your mama's always so tired. Always so tired. Grab all your friends, mace in our hands. Welcome to hell. Yeah, it ain't fair, but pull up a chair. Welcome to hell. Yes, there's a little clip from that song more than a clip i played a lot of it but it was more visual the stuff i cut out was you got to see it all right just google it or go to nbc.com and you can watch the whole video there the reason i i play that is it obviously was <laughs> stuff in the news but also it had me thinking of that uh, in social psychology, the, this word, the other, right? So when someone uses that term, and I use it a lot talking about others, right? The way that we view other people that are outside of ourselves, all right? Because we're, we're kind of selfish creatures. We're born behind this set of eyes in this human body. And how we interact with others is a thing, right? So psychologically, all right? And and this whole genre of psychology called social psychology, there's this old uh, Indian poem or, I don't know, allegory about, uh, it's, it's simple, right? Um, don't judge a man until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. And this is getting men to think about what would it be like to walk 
uh, in her shoes, to, to be her, to have to deal with guys that think like a lot of us do. What's it like to interact with guys whose thought process is... And let me spend a moment on that. There's something that happens in our brain when we see an attractive woman, right? Guys, heterosexual men, uh, the chemicals that are released. But a lot of this has to do with just ignoring the fact that that's a person. There really is something to that with a personality. And again, the women are like, of course, there's something to that. But for us guys, you know, automatically there's look at her body and the thought process. Going back to that, the thinking that starts to tumble, all the thoughts that the hamster that jumps on a certain wheel in our brain. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's out of our control. We just can't control ourselves because that's that's bullshit, too. All right. Um, there's religions, you know, guys will talk about modesty and doing this, uh, sexual addiction, right? Talk show, uh, sexual ethics podcast, whatever you want to call it. All right. Um, there's been guys over the years that'll bring up this argument of modesty, you know, like going to church and she's dressed like that. And listen, I don't care how revealing you think she looks, all right, and how tempting. Oh, she's a temptress. Look at her over there. You know, there's this there's this kind of thinking that happens, all right? If she's dressed like super revealing or, or wearing spandex, I don't I don't know, you know, but if, if she's in church, like shouldn't that be a, a win, right? That would be a good thing. For you guys who are thinking of this, you know, morality-based cuz that's what it is. It's morality first kind of thinking. And this has been a thing for, again, hundreds of years. Women are supposed to uh, cover themselves up because, what, us men have no self-control or we, we, we can't learn self-control, right? I mean, there's some religions that cover their women in a full-body tent, right? Uh, why? Because men, oh, that hamster gets on the wheel and you never know what we'll do. Like, that's, that's disturbing. Men aren't like that. When they do become like that, though, I think it's something that devolves, all right? There's something, ego takes over. I want to get into some of these stories, all right? Because this, again, we're seeing celebrities that are, right? This used to be just like the pastor of a church or, right, somebody who's of high, supposed to be of high moral character. And now it's like Kevin Spacey. Matt Lauer, right? Charlie Rose, Al Franken, Louis C.K., entertainers and judges and politicians. Roy Moore lost a whole election in a very red state, all right? Here in the United States, it's, you know, Republicans and Democrats control most of what happens when it comes to policymaking and, and politics. And this this state that is very red for a long time turned blue because of the actions of this man. Allegation after allegation came out, and denial after denial from this man came out. 
and people are going, well, what's the big deal? You know, his politics is like, seriously, people thinking that way. And listen, I'm not going to get into <laughs> talk about politics and, and Roy Moore. That's been a thing on Facebook for the last week. And, and I'm done with that conversation. But at the same time, what is part of this overarching conversation is how do men devolve into these predator-like people? So I had three points I wanted to make around thought and action, all right? Again, we're going back to the space between thought and action. And for me, the action, the behavior devolved, all right? My value for women devolved, started with pornography, and again, I'm not blaming pornography, but I'm talking about behavior level action. PMO, as it's been called, pornography, masturbation, orgasm is the habit, right? And that behavior started there. And, and in order for that cycle to kick in, there had to have been this, again, removing the relationship part or the personhood of the image and just consuming it. All right. Does that make sense? And then it devolved into getting even worse when, when the, you know, cause it, you know, pornography, it doesn't satisfy, right? Like a guy doesn't start masturbating to a little person having sex with an alligator on the first try. All right. Uh, a gang bang with, you know, like that's not your first, it devolves into that kind of thing. And then for me, it got even worse. Prostitutes it devolved into me seeing prostitutes, uh, just uh, customers. When I was in the pizza business, there was a predatory way towards getting what I wanted like a junkie looking for a fix, except for the fix isn't a heroin needle or it's, it's an actual human being. It's a person. And, uh, I didn't like rape anyone. All right. Just to throw that out there. I want to make sure that you understand when I say predatory, um, I'm not talking about forcing someone against their will, but I was creepy lecherous towards some of the customers in the pizza business. If it was a woman that answered the door alone, I was looking for that look. You know, this guy named Tom Likas used to do a show and he said that, you know, a woman will decide in the first five seconds she's going to have sex with you. I don't know how true that is, but I started looking for that look. If she looked like she may be remotely interested, I, I said stuff that was you know, had doors slammed in my face a few times and being in sales for a living. Um, there was, you know, there was this, Oh, well, I'll just move on to the next one. I'm surprised I didn't get complaints at, at the pizza place. To, to be honest, I, I tried, it was disturbing. It was, it was gross. And eventually it just turned to me again, seeing prostitutes or asking if they were working, you know, I'm not proud of any of this. But at the same time, I want you to understand that there's a certain part of me that really was suffering. 
And that's the thing about the compulsive part of this and the intimacy disorder of this, that I thought what I wanted was the sex. But every time I got it, it felt like I was really, really thirsty and I was getting a shot glass of sand. And some of you may hear me say that and go, what, I'm supposed to feel sorry for you? Uh, No, no, but I did get help. And I'm doing this to hopefully change direction for some folks. Because, honestly, the truth is, um, some of these stories that are out there, I I relate to some of these guys, you know. Um, And the reason being is because when you demonize anyone, I, I was just in a conversation with my son about this word demonize. Um, when you demonize someone, you stop having a conversation about the conflict at hand. And you can learn a lot about a person's character from how they handle the conflict at hand. Because a lot of people just find someone to demonize or blame. Or in the case of Roy Moore or the mayor of Seattle, uh, same situation. Person after person keeps coming out of the woodwork and you just keep denying it. Kevin Spacey talked about being an alcoholic. Like one of the things I admire about what Kevin Spacey did is he, he admitted it. You know, he didn't try and cover it up. Uh, He said, I was an alcoholic. Maybe he was making excuses and there's other people that came out, you know, Um, just Louis C.K., Again, another guy who said, yeah, it was wrong what I did. He didn't deny it. And, you know, hopefully he gets some help. I think those two guys are are guys that were probably not just causing suffering, but themselves suffering greatly and were willing to seek help, you know, before it gets worse. I had Nate Larkin on from the Samson Society, and one of the things he said was that there was a study that he cited where, you know, something like 70% of guys who go get help for their sexually compulsive behavior, um, the reason they go get help is because they've hurt someone close to them, like a girlfriend or a spouse. That's what I call on this podcast the bomb going off, all right? A bomb goes off, and that's when most of us get help. That's statistically, that's that's the truth. Um, people don't go get help on their own in most cases. It takes a wake-up call. And for people in high positions of power, you know, celebrities, judges, politicians, it usually takes more of a painful jolt for them than the rest of us because they're used to telling people what to do or they're used to people, you know, almost worshiping them, right? Especially celebrities, you know, people treat them like gods of some kind in most cases, you know, um, and then you look at people in business or in politics, they're the boss and you do what the boss says. And yeah, there's been sexual harassment laws on the books for a long time. But, you know, are women still afraid of that? Would you be in their shoes? Speaking up against uh, speaking out against someone in a position of power over you. 
How do you think that they think that's going to go? I posted this story from the Washington Post on uh, Judge Alex Kaczynski, a judge, right? A, a federal Supreme Court judge who hears sexual harassment cases. I mean, this guy sharing pornography, um, groping women in the office, uh, just suggestive things, totally blind to his own, the way that he was coming across. And again, I'm not giving this guy excuses, but part of ladies who are in this, right, this sexual rebellion, I call it, right, this value rebellion, like I'm not going to be treated like this anymore. And you know what? Yeah, it's going to stir up some shit. You know, you realize that you start accusing someone in the office, man, that's not easy. It's not, but it's, I think, hopefully what's coming, what's happening today is making it more easy uh, for women to speak up. Because this guy, um, Alex, he's, he needs help, man. Help, that's helping him. And hopefully some guys just, you know, they live in a place of just lower consciousness suffering for the rest of their lives. But it, it takes a wake up call like that. It takes, you know, like rock bottom. That's what's happening to these guys. And that's the first point I wanted to make is that, like my friend Seth Taylor said, sexual compulsive behavior, all right, intimacy disorder, guys who value women with that kind of just sick, nasty toxicness, um, those guys are suffering. It's, it's unconscious or subconscious suffering that they're going through. And speaking out is actually helping that person. All right. Not to mention all the other women in the office who this guy's advances towards, uh, they're suffering too. I shared a story about, uh, the Alex Kaczynski case on uh, heart, mind, love, sex, and affection, by the way. That's my Facebook uh, group. If you want to check that out, again, heart, mind, love, sex, and affection. If you search that, you'll find it on Facebook. And, and, and hey, join the conversation about this because I, I'd love to have more ears. What I'm saying here today, is this resonating? Um, what say you? I'd love to hear from you there. Also, another story I'm sharing on that site is my second point, how men are going to respond. Because you get in this tribes, right? Men tend to have men friends. Women tend to have women friends. Sometimes we have cross, you know, we cross the lines of gender with our friendships, but it's always a little weird, right? So the understanding and the dialogue, like guys will get together, like Donald Trump said. Yeah, there's another one. Donald, our very our president, um, multiple sexual harassment cases. But he, you know, this video is exposed of him uh, talking what he called locker room talk, right? And there's guys in the sound of my voice who are like, yeah, you know, you're nodding your head. Yeah, man, I've done that. Guilty as charged. Right. There's that a guilt feeling again. But man, what is it in us that feels like it's that's OK? It's OK to devalue women like that. It's OK to like welcome to my hell. That song 
right, by the, the, the SNL lady. So let's bring a little more heaven into the earth than, than the hell that these ladies have to go through from, you know, hearing that or just the, the energy that gets stirred up when we talk like that. Um, my friend Jeff on, on the post that I, that I posted uh, about Matt Damon. So Matt Damon has entered into this conversation. Uh, my friend Jeff says, this tells me there needs to be more male dialogue and education. Um, I'm not giving him a pass. I'm just saying that there is an ignorance and we need to own it. Uh, what happened was, <laughs> so there's, here we get into my second point. Again, the conversation. This is, this is starting a dialogue. It's starting a conversation. And if we can keep from demonizing each other, maybe we can let our women and our ladies have some relief and some peace. And maybe they could start to be seen as human beings rather than, again, uh, something to be consumed. This story was from uh, MSN.com. Alyssa Milano uh, blasts Matt Damon over his uh, some of the stuff that he said. So Matt Damon interjects into this conversation and says, you know, a guy rapes a woman. Uh, he gets he's not going to be working at that company anymore. Um, what Matt Damon said was, should we fire every guy who slaps a woman on the ass? And again, you can read this story, search for it or heart, mind, love, sex and affection. My Facebook page. Um I'm encouraged when women speak up, all right? Guys like Matt Damon are interjecting their understanding, all right? He's just coming from his place of consciousness, right? That what he knows, uh, he's he's interjecting that into the conversation. But this boys, well, boys will be boys. It's just a minimizing attitude. It's an attitude that minimizes the pain of the conflict, and, and this conflict is now mainstream. That's the good news of this that I see is it needs to be talked about. And we're finally giving it some attention. Uh, so I say good for women like uh, Alyssa Milano. She's also the one that started uh, the Me Too movement after her alleg- allegations against uh, Harvey Weinstein came to light. Uh, that guy, what those women went through in Hollywood for years, just, oh man, some of those stories. And, and it's not just women. Terry Crews was a part of this sexual harassment, um, from a sex addict. All right. That's, that's who he was, what he is. And maybe now he's getting some help, hopefully, but the higher in power these people are, the harder they fall and the more insidious and you know it's not just slapping someone's ass matt especially with harvey weinstein all right and again i'm not knocking matt damon for speaking up because i think that's important that he becomes he airs this up that he becomes part of this conversation and listen this gets to my third point and this is where i'd like to see as it evolves and as our culture gets more progressive all right. That's what this is. This is progression uh, as a culture. It's not just religious people talking about, 
you know, how you should not objectify women anymore. It's women on Saturday Night Live saying we don't want to be objectified anymore, right? It's a different climate today. But my third point is this. Shaming men as a gender is not going to help this issue. It's going to make it worse. It really is. What that kind of thing tends to do is shove it underground. Shame is a powerful negative energy that keeps people imprisoned to, you know, habitual, repeated suffering. That's what I mean by making it worse. Um, we can demonize the Harvey Weinsteins and the uh, Louis C.K.'s. I mean, on and on it goes. I could, I could be here naming names for a long time, right? Um, we could shame those guys or we could learn from them. And they could learn from themselves, hopefully, is the part of this too, right? Uh, the getting help. My first point, getting help. These guys need help. These guys are unconsciously suffering. And a big passion for me doing this podcast and the reason that I've got help myself is because uh, despising the shame. Again, that's something that Jesus said. There's something that's in the Bible, this, this idea that the cross is despising the shame around Christmas time in the deepest dark, right? The solstice, the way that the, the calendar works and that the December 25th is probably not when Jesus was born, all right? Um, historically, it was probably more around Easter. My point is that in the deepest dark, we celebrate the light. We celebrate the Christ, which is the light coming into the world. The divine meets us in in the darkest, most hurt place. Something that Paul Young would say, that the Papa is very fond of Harvey Weinstein. Very fond of you, right? The love of God for people, people in that darkest valley. And again, hopefully these guys, you know, guilt stirring is one thing. All right. That's that's good to a certain degree. Guys are starting to feel bad for treating women like they do, like they have been for for, you know, 100 years or more. Right. I mean, if guys stop and think for a second before they just totally undress a woman with their eyes, that's a good thing. Or say the wrong, or, or just, you know, this devaluing, this objectifying, this not seeing her as a person. Yeah, feel bad that you've done that and make a change, change direction. But realize that, you know, that's what guilt is good for. You do something that hurts somebody and you feel bad, good. Make a course correction. Make a course correction. Go to work to change that. And shame, um, shame, you're, you're not just damaged goods stuck this way forever. The reason people 
get stuck that way forever is because they think like that. And that goes to a deep insecurity. These people feel the shame. They feel they aren't just did bad, but they are bad. They feel that they are leches, that they are wolves, you know? And some guys feel like that. And it's cultural, man. Guys feel like a lot of guys just feel like pieces of shit because we're, you know, horny all the time. Part of it's we're wired that way, but we have some self-control. We can learn impulse control. We can go to work to change these things. We can go to work to become better, become better men, guys. And become a better culture because the women are speaking out, because of the sexual rebellion, because of this punk rock attitude that's coming from women. And when they uh, make you feel devalued or feel shameful, understand where that's coming from. All right. Alyssa Milano said this. I've been a victim of each component of sexual assault. of the sexual assault spectrum of which you speak. They all hurt, and they are all connected to a petitionary intertwined with normalized, accepted, even welcomed misogyny, the charmed star wrote. Um, We are not outraged because someone grabbed our asses in a picture. We are outraged because we are made to feel this is normal. We are outraged because we have been gaslighted. We are outraged because we were silent for so long. And this, they're not silent anymore, guys. And that's good. That's good news. And hopefully for some of you guys, this, again, doesn't stir up shame, but the change that comes with those feelings and doing real work towards making a difference in who you are as a sexual being, guys. All right. I want to encourage you to, again, get help to realize that this isn't going away. And to thank God for women like Alyssa Murano for bringing to mind that that woman on that screen is a person, is a human being. That woman at the office, that woman walking down the street, she has a family. She has a mom and a dad. She's a person. Um, I love you guys. I'm going to leave the show right there. Again, I encourage you to, to do what it takes to, you know, New Year is coming, like, approach this thing from a different level uh not just a you know all the behavior mod stuff that you've tried before and it didn't work man again i encourage you to to go for a different approach to really understand get mindful get mindful about how you think get mindful about your sexual thoughts and how they're stirred up and how you can gain some control over your impulses, all right? I'm no angel, all right? But I'm living proof that people do change because I was very, very stubbornly addicted. I was very stubbornly stuck in a way of looking at women that was just, except for, of course, my wife and my daughter. But everyone else in the world, it was almost like a like a robber or a thief, like 
you know, they would never steal from someone in their family, but the rest of the world, they're all just things to prey upon. No, women are people to be mindful of, to pray for, <laughs> right? Again, there's this that verse in the, the Lord's Prayer that I, I, I meditate to in the mornings. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then I just breathe. And I know taking on something as stubborn and habitual as compulsive sexual behavior, uh, it's easy to say that. But just for today, prayer, meditation, slowing down, this stuff works. And I live my life in 24-hour increments, all right? It's 24 hours at a time, just for today. Lord, just for today. Be an agent for bringing on earth as it is in heaven. Guys, I'm not here to should and ought to on you. But I pray that you can be more conscious moving forward of your conversations with other men. Of your own thought life. So I'll ask you the question. What's your plan for tomorrow? Are you a leader or will you follow? Are we going to take back the power? The ladies are taking back the power, guys. The ladies are taking back. They're taking their own power. The sexual energy, the female divine. Spirit is moving. I think that's good. I'm excited about that. So again, what's your plan for tomorrow? Being a leader is simply a shift in consciousness. It's simply a different mindful attitude moving forward. Love you guys. I do mean that sincerely. Till next time. Bye.